The Auditor General of Canada calls the handling of the ArriveCan app one of the worst she's ever seen. Canada's Environment Minister wants to stop building new roads in Canada to save the trees. Every main political party in Canada shows they cannot be trusted to do or say anything of integrity. The persecution of Christian churches in Canada continues and some MPs would like to invite some of those actual persecutors to speak on the subject. Our goal, as always, is to bring you news, culture and politics from a distinctly Christian, conservative and Canadian perspective. It's February 20th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. This is Liberty Dispatch News Brief. Burnt coffee is bitter. But you know what else is bitter? Drinking coffee you purchase from people who hate you and your way of life. Stop buying coffee from people who hate you. Instead, you should buy your coffee from Resistance Coffee. That's right, they're back roasting delicious fuel for freedom. So try some fossil fuel, a custom blended dark roast for those who enjoy a bold flavor without the burnt taste of communism. Or how about Trigger Happy, a smooth single origin medium roast from Brazil for the truth tellers. Head over to resistancecoffee.com. We are thrilled to partner with Resistance Coffee and offer our listeners and supporters 10% off your orders at checkout. Use the promo code LIBERTY10. That's the word liberty and the number 10. Resistancecoffee.com, promo code LIBERTY10. Get fueled for the resistance today. On February 12th, the Auditor, Auditor General of Canada, Karen Hogan, gave her report on ArriveCan during a news conference in Ottawa. Now, spoiler alert, she did not have good things to say regarding the tyrannical totalitarian surveillance app designed ultimately to squash the rights and freedoms of Canadians. This is from the Globe and Mail. Quote, Overall, this audit shows a glaring disregard for basic management and contracting practices throughout ArriveCAN's development and implementation, said Mrs. Hogan, who also questioned why Canada Border Services agency officials approved invoices and timesheets from contractors in cases where details of work performed were often missing. Ms. Hogan also concluded that IT staffing from GC Strategies was directly involved in setting narrow terms for a $25 million contract it ultimately won. The Auditor General found federal departments spent about $59.5 million on outsourcing work with private contractors, but Ms. Hogan said the lack of clear records of spending and decisions means the true cost could be higher or lower, close quote. Probably higher, that would be my guess. I'm not a financial expert, but my guess would be higher. So it appears that the federal government wasted millions of our tax dollars in order to pay their friends to create an app with the purpose of increasing state power and control, and the whole debacle was an unorganized disaster. More from that same story from the Globe and Mail, quote, the ArriveCan app was built quickly and launched in April 2020, the month after the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic owing to COVID-19. The agency spent just $80,000 to create the initial version of the smartphone app. As health advisories changed, the app required numerous updates, including allowing Canadian travelers to upload their mandatory vaccination status records, 
with the agents, sorry, which the agency said contributed to the escalating cost. During the summer of 2022, technical problems led to the app to send erroneous orders to more than 10,000 Canadians to quarantine under threat of heavy fines. An investigation by Privacy Commissioner Philippe Dufresne concluded last year that the situation violated the Privacy Act, close quote. Obviously, obviously, this whole situation presented an opportunity for Pierre Polyev to engage in some political grandstanding and throw some red meat to his base. Now, remind everyone before I read this quote firsthand that not only did Polyev not oppose Arrive Can for a long time, he also supported the lockdowns, jab mandates, and the jabs themselves until it was no longer politically advantageous to do so, and he has not repented of his progressive statist ways as of yet, to the best of my knowledge. Nevertheless, this is from the post-millennial. Quote, Conservative leader Pierre Polyev said Tuesday that he has asked the RCMP to expand their criminal investigation into the Trudeau government's ArriveCan app, which cost taxpayers almost a thousand times the expected cost. After yesterday's Auditor General revelations of corruption, waste, and mismanagement, I have written to the RCMP asking them to expand their criminal investigation into the Prime Minister's arrive scam. He has a track record of blocking criminal investigations. He tried to protect SNC-Lavalin from prosecution. He blocked the RCMP from investigating his illegal vacation to Billionaire Island. Will he stay out of the way or really again try to block the RCMP criminal investigation into arrive scam? Close quote. Great little tidbits there, taking advantage of the moment, but uh, ultimately an unprincipled politician is he? Arrive Can apparently is not the only vestige of the COVID era that continues to affect Canadians today. The experts are saying that some COVID policies have terrible lingering effects. Huh. I mean, who knew? Oh, yeah, we did. We knew. So this is from the experts from CTV News. Quote, as unions representing Ontario hospital workers continue to label the province's staffing crisis at its breaking point, some experts say continued COVID-19 vaccine mandates may inadvertently contribute to it. Last month, CUPE's Ontario Council of Hospital Unions said that understaffing was taking a toll on its members' mental health, including registered practical nurses, personal support workers, and clerical staff. Ontario's healthcare worker shortage has been widely known for years and is only set to worsen. According to a report from the Financial Accountability Office of Ontario last spring, Ontario will be short 33,000 nurses and PSWs by 2028 and must spend over $21 billion more to meet its expansion targets. At least two hospitals in Simcoe County have publicly changed their COVID-19 vaccine mandate policy for new hires as a condition of employment. Royal Victoria Regional Healthcare Center and Georgian Bay General Hospital both revised their policies as of January 1st, 2024. The vast majority of hospitals, however, have not followed suit. Close quote. I have two thoughts on these messes. First of all, the fact that the vast majority of hospitals require new hires to have at least two COVID shots is unscientific and statist garbage, and they should fire all of their decision makers. Because if they don't understand basic virology 
and they can't read studies and do math, they have no business making decisions regarding the medical well-being of anyone. Second, everything the state touches that is outside of their God-ordained jurisdiction, which is punishing those who break God's law and rewarding those who keep God's law, turns to feces. The state has the opposite of the Midas touch. When they get their hands on something, it mutates into a raging hot dumpster fire, a flaming pile of garbage, an inferno of waste, a blazing mound of refuse. I, I think that should suffice for comparisons. In summary, our elected officials are ghouls. Let's move on to climate hysteria. Our environment minister, Stephen Guilbeault, caused quite a stir last week as he professed his undying commitment to the climate cult. This story is from the Western Standard. Quote, speaking at a transit conference in Montreal on Tuesday, Guilbeault said Monday that in the past would be spent on asphalt and concrete should be spent on projects to fight climate change instead. This is money that would be spent in the past. Now we should use it to fight climate change. Continuing. Our government has made the decision to stop investing in new road infrastructure. Of course, we will continue to be there for cities, provinces, and territories to maintain the existing network, but there will be no more envelopes from the federal government to, alar to enlarge the road network, he said. The analysis we have done is that the network is perfectly adequate to respond to the needs we have. And thanks to a mix of investment in active and public transit, and in territorial planning and densification, we can very well achieve our goals of economic, social, and human development without more enlargement of the road network. The solution to mobility will not consist only of electrification. Electrification is a component, but it's not the only thing. There is the question of urban planning that is hyper-important, he said. If you are a decision-maker and you decide to build a government institution, far from public transit systems, then by default you are inciting people to use their cars to access that public service. All of our planning practices have to be coherent with these mobility objectives for the reduction of the ecological footprint of transportation and of greenhouse emissions." Close quote. Now for anyone who is paying attention, urban planning and planning practices is a euphemism for smart cities. And smart cities is code language for 15-minute cities, which is, you guessed it, more status control and power being used to enforce a surveillance state. And they'll continue to use weapons such as carbon taxes to punish everyone, especially those who don't bend the knee to the climate gods. This, by the way, is out in the open and has been for a while. UNESCO, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, released their policy on universal basic income in 2021, and this was buried in their plans. Quote, the policy is simple, really. Set an economy-wide price on carbon across the globe and rebate the revenue back to the people on a per capita basis. It is true, a carbon price in the form of a tax or cap means higher prices, at least in the near future, as the transition away from fossil fuels takes hold. These higher prices will be, more, will be more than offset by the vast majority of the world's population through the carbon dividend. The rich and those living in high-income countries are responsible for the vast majority of greenhouse gas emissions, 
and thus will pay the bulk of the tax. However, the money is redistributed to everyone equally. Thus, low-income people will end up with more money in their pockets at the end of the day, close quote. By the way, that last line is total garbage because sure, they might get some more from the carbon dividend, but that won't offset the prices of everything being jacked up through the roof because of this carbon tax to begin with. This is basically planned tyranny and intentionally implemented socialism, and most Western countries are totally on board. The carbon price in Canada, by the way, is set to go up again April 1st. All of this is only made worse by the fact that despite the proposed NDP bill seeking to condemn us, which we talked about on an episode last week, increased CO2 is actually a good thing. And scientific research and facts back that up. In fact, there was a very recent study on the topic, this also from the Western Standard, quote, the global greening continues despite increased drought stress since 2000, reads the article's title, published in Global Ecology and Conservation in January. The study, which was supported by the National Natural Science Foundation of China and the Postgraduate Research and Practice Innovation Program of Jiangsu Province, wanted a more accurate read following recent studies that found both greening and browning trends. CO2 fertilization along with land management determined that greening is dominant. However, recent global browning signals due to drought stress have also been widely reported, the researchers explained. We used the four latest leaf area index data sets to explore this controversial topic and found that global greening continued from 2001 to 2020. Greening acceleration occurred in 55.15% of the globe, while browning acceleration occurred in only 7.28%. The global greening is an indisputable fact, the researchers insisted. A growing body of research shows that vegetation growth is enhanced by moisture constraints due to increased VPD and decreased soil moisture caused by climate warm warming, the researcher said, close quote. So over and over again, we see that people who are actually engaged in honest, unbiased scientific endeavors and rigor show us that increased CO2 is really good for the planet. And a slight warming is also really good for the planet because it equals more vegetation and more growth and all those beautiful trees that God has designed to soak up all that CO2 to grow big and strong, to give us clean oxygen, also benefit from it. But this is the difference between someone who holds to a biblical worldview and understands that God has made the world to work a certain way and seed time and springtime and harvest shall persist forever as we see in genesis the world is not going to melt or freeze according to climate alarmists and then there's those who hold to a pagan godless worldview where they'll just make up stuff in order to get away from the truth of the way god has designed the world to work let's wrap up with a few more bits of news shall we recently the Blessed Sacrament Parish Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, was set on fire by a masked arsonist. The whole thing was caught on video as well from the church's video doorbell. 
The church is 118 years old, making it a historic building in Canada. Wascana, Saskatchewan MP Corey Tokor proposed a motion in Parliament seeking to condemn the attack, and the motion required unanimous consent. Before he could even finish the motion, the Liberal and NDP benches were yelling no, that they would not give unanimous consent. Tokor had this to say on X, quote, Yesterday, I asked for unanimous consent to condemn the attempted arson at the Regina Church, but they did not allow me to, he posted on X. It is shameful that this NDP Liberal Coalition refuses to condemn these hateful attacks and will shut us down when we attempt to raise the issue. You'll recall, of course, when dozens of churches were being burned down in Canada after the false residential school narrative, our prime hypocrite had this to say. Quote, it is unacceptable and wrong that acts of vandalism and arson are being seen across the country, including against Catholic churches. So that's good so far, but obviously it doesn't end there. He continues, I understand the anger that's out there against the federal government, against institutions like the Catholic Church. It is real, and it's fully understandable, given the shameful history that we are all becoming more and more aware of and engaging ourselves to do better as Canadians, quote, close quote. By the way, we know now with some of the excavation that's being done, the residential school hoax is just that. There's no evidence to support the claims that they're making. And say what you want about the Roman Catholic Church in Canada and in North America, but the reality is that if we're thankful for hospitals, for orphanages, if we're thankful for schools, if we're thankful for any humanitarian effort locally and abroad, you can probably thank the church for that, for building these and creating these institutions. But nevertheless, according to Justin Trudeau, it's totally understandable to set Catholic churches on fire. Now, our prime minister hates Christ. So it's no surprise that he hates those who bear any resemblance of allegiance to Christ. It's rather shameful that the liberals and NDPs would shut down a motion to condemn arson but it's to be expected from political parties that promote godlessness and lawlessness. Finally, in what is an entire bakery full of delicious irony chocolate cakes, conservative MP Garnet Genius is promoting an event titled, quote, A Conversation on Global Religious Persecution, close quote, featuring former Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. Now, why so much ironic baked goods, you might be asking? Well, Kenney, if you remember was premier during the COVID era, and he was in charge when three pastors and one street preacher were arrested for keeping their churches open or proclaiming the gospel at Drag Queen storybook readings. Under Kenny's leadership, Pastor James Coates was arrested and Pastor Tim Stevens was arrested twice, as well as Pastor Arthur Pawlowski being arrested a few times. All this proves, by the way, is that conservative MPs are really no better than liberals. And the fact that they would promote an event on religious persecution with the speaker that led the way in persecuting Christians in Canada is woefully blind and egregious. Now, so great was the pushback that Garnet Genius had to change the social media post of the event, removing the picture and mention of Jason Kenney altogether. The fact that he had to try to cover this up and not say that he was sorry for inviting a petty tyrant to a discussion opposing tyranny 
shows just how hollowed out the conservative party really is. In a post on his church website, Pastor Tim Stevens had this to say about this event and its speakers. Quote, Ironically, under Kenny's leadership as a premier of Alberta in 2021, several pastors went to jail, myself included, for not ceding to the state what properly belongs to the church. The state has no jurisdiction to dictate the terms of worship or regulate the assembly of God's people. Period. For years, governments around the world vainly attempted to stop a virus. While they failed to stop that spread, they did succeed in spreading something more dangerous, totalitarianism. By totalitarianism, I do not mean to directly equate Socialist Canada's ruling elites with non-democratic dictators. By totalitarianism, I mean a government which believes it rules the totality of life, from economics, education, worship, and the family. For sure, in Canada, we have a softer totalitarianism than past examples. But is this more or less dangerous? It's not as deadly, but it is more virulent. Is democratic socialistic totalitarianism just a more polite way to swallow up every sphere of life? Any form of totalitarianism will harm society since it is a disorder of God's intended design, close quote. Completely right. Completely right. Tim is completely right about that. And again, highlighting the irony of conservative MPs supporting an event regarding religious persecution with the speaker who was the chief religious persecutor in Canada over the last three years. It is indeed a bakery full of delicious chocolate irony cakes. Well, there you have it, friends. You are all up to date. And in the words of our friend, Pastor Tim Stevens, we would want to encourage you to love, worship, and obey God, to conform your life to his standards and to his commands as an individual, that you govern yourself biblically, as a family, that your family is governed and led according to the scriptures, that you commit yourself to a church that is grounded upon the word of God and that structures itself around biblical principles. And then once you have those things in order, your own life, your family life, and your church life, then you would do what men like Tim have been faithful in doing is speaking out into the culture, calling out sin, holding the state accountable, and engaging however the Lord leads you to be faithful and to be obedient to him. Until next time, Galatians 5.1. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.